mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bird to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Hi there, welcome to episode 22 of the LM Experience. Good morning, Martin. Morning, Shu. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How's that shed of yours? It's, sorry, it's sorry, cabin. cabin. It's a cabin. Martin, How's that cabin, cabin of yours? It's doing very well, Scandinavian actually. Scandinavian cabin. You've got a jacuzzi in there and a... No, I've got an idea. I might put a wood burner in there at some point. Yeah, you Which probably leave, isn't ideal for a wooden cabin. No, really. no, that's, that's got... Yeah, I'll tell your building insurance provider about that one if I were you, Steve. Okay. Anyway, what number are you up to now? Where are we? Uh, episode 22. Two little ducks. Yeah, I was thinking bingo, actually. Were you? Yeah, when I said 22. Two fat ducks. Anyway, look, moving on. Listen, we've got, we've got a young lady in the studio today. No swearing. We've got Rachel Addison, who is a journalist at FT Advisor. Morning, Rachel. Morning. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank, thank you for having me on. Well, thank you for coming in. So what I thought we'd do this time, Stu, slightly different, is because we, 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 we generally ask all the questions when people come in. Mm-hmm. And we've done some work with Rachel over FT Advisor lately, and, and they've got a very good sort of... Um, uh, uh, mortgage um, sort of back catalogue of articles that we've helped out with and I think they're a good supporter of the uh, of the mortgage brokers I thought maybe Rachel can come in yeah. and ask us some questions <laughs> this time okay, okay. Um, so really so Rachel over to you but first of all just, just tell us how, 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 you know why do you want to become a journalist in financial <laughs> services I feel there's like not I'm many surprises in that <laughs> <laughs> um, well I started at FG Advisor in July um, but I love it I think it's a really interesting time to be covering the topic mm-hmm. Um, and it's so relevant to everything. Everyone needs a place to live. Mm. Where you live and the costs associated with that affect your life completely. Did, did you study journalism? Did you do that at uni? I did. Well, yeah. I didn't do uni. I did law at uni. Okay. Uh, and did a conversion course of journalism. Right. Okay. Um, what, why the change? Because it's quite a big difference, isn't it? <laughs> <Certainly> financially, <laughs> big Yeah, difference. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I just think I think it's a really interesting yeah. area to be in. Um, and I love it. And I'm really enjoying it. Good. Well, you might change your mind in 20 minutes. But anyway, listen, <laughs> look, what we're going to do, we're going to hand over the mic to you. So you've got some questions that you think might be a hot topic for FT Advisor. And Stu and I, with our 456 years of experience, we'll try and answer. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, juicy topic to start with then. then, 100% lending. 100% lending. Um, so, as you're probably aware, the BSA in a recent report uh, suggested that lenders should revisit the case for 100% lending yeah. um, as a way of helping more first-time buyers potentially onto the property ladder. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone in the market is naive to think that there aren't risks associated with 100% lending. Yeah. But do you think we're getting back to a point now where lenders and borrowers uh, are moving into a position where they believe it's a risk worth taking? Uh, well, I, I, <laughs> I, I think it would be utterly ridiculous to bring in 100% lending in this climate. If they were going to do it, they should have done it five years ago when the industry was on its knees and hash prices had already fallen. We've had five or six years of exponential growth yeah. um, and we're now seeing the market turn quite significantly particularly in London, where hash prices may be down. I'm seeing figures 5 to 10% down from two years ago. Why would you launch 100% lending into that environment? Mm. I, from my point of view, I think it's one of those situations where I think government policy has got to start to shift to a direction of where it's a constant rather than just a sticking plaster every time they launch something. Because at the moment, I think there are when you get new build schemes that get thrown out there, at every budget or whatever, every other budget, you get to a point of where it becomes overload on that type of scheme. And had there been a mixture of 
approaches, then I think we'd finally start to move forwards in with regards to kind of getting some solutions. But I, th- I think the buyer has to have some skin in the game. If you're buying a three hundred thousand pound asset, you, where would you go where you you could buy something for three hundred grand and not put any money down? Mm. I think the difficulty for me is the longer term view as well. Is that it would be all well and good having that as an option out there immediately, but the problem then comes as with old government schemes. 10, 15 years down the line, if you're in that position where the market hasn't gone more favourably for you. Prime example for me in mind is shared ownership, which at one point was the thing that everybody was involved with. All of the lenders did it, they all offered it, and then gradually as time moved on and numerous governments of every colour imaginable brought in different new build schemes, it fell down the pecking order. So as a result, the lenders dropped away so you've now got a point now where somebody remortgaging a shared ownership property, they haven't got a huge amount of options because the way in which the market, the mortgage market's moved away from it, it's no longer the in thing. And I think that's the that's the danger. But some lenders have been creative, uh, Barclays with their Springboard and Bank of Ireland, where yeah. on paper it appears to be 100% lending, but it's not stupid 100% lending like it used to be. I mean, would you, as if you, do you own a property, Rachel? I don't. If you were going to buy a house today, would you take a 100% mortgage? Knowing what you know. No, no, I wouldn't. I think someone described it recently as the financial services pantomime villain. (laughs) (laughs) From behind the curtain. Correct, Um, that's a good analogy. Yeah, I think think the risk of of negative um, equity, especially in uncertain times Mm -hmm. such as these, um, is is just too big a risk. Yeah, and I'm surprised that banks banks are very risk-adverse people. Um, And I can't imagine that they're sitting around a boardroom somewhere thinking this is a good idea with the audience certain times that we have with us i think as well you've got the situation now there's more profile now of um specifically the old style northern rock borrowers who were on the 100 percent plus the extra 25 percent on top the the traction that that is now starting to get with the the bbc panorama program that was out recently about it those borrowers from back then, 2007, 2006, they're still in the position where they haven't been able to go full circle yet. So their options are limited. So, and we know that. That's my problem with it, generally, is the fact of that we already know there are this large tranche of borrowers in the UK who are still suffering for the overhang of that. Mm. And to then open that up again, I think, to the moment, to, to a new a new breed of borrower, I think, as well, would be quite irresponsible, to be honest. I think the short answer is no, <laughs> Rachel. Okay, all right. Moving away then from sort of first-time buyer solutions onto those borrowers who are stuck on not-so-desirable mortgages, mortgage prisoners. Um, this really seems to be picking up pace with trade bodies and the FCA mm. and government increasingly voicing their concerns for borrowers who are stuck on higher rates since the financial crash. But we're a decade on now and the FCA seems pretty confident that they found a solution for those borrowers with active lenders. Mm-hmm. What are your concerns for the inactive lenders who everyone is quite honestly holding their hands up saying we don't know what to do about that yet? We're working on it, but we're not sure. So when you say inactive lenders, it's like the, the, the Bank of Scotland who are no longer lending but mm. have a, good, a large... Raffle and Bingley on buy to let that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, Mortgage Express maybe. Uh, so all, all the lenders that we remember from 2008 who no longer 
lending money. Mm. Um, I, to my opinion, I have a problem with the phrase mortgage prisoner, um, personally, Rachel, because um, we're, we're all prisoners of a mortgage, generally, um, uh, and that's terms and conditions. People become mortgage prisoners a lot of the time because actually they're, they're changing circumstances. Sometimes they've instigated mm. that themselves. Um, they might be employed and they go self-employed. They might have been earning a lot more money than they're earning less money. They might have got married, they might have had children. Generally, most of them um, have been created themselves. The mortgage contract is a mortgage contract. Mm. Um, it's just a change of circumstances which has caused the issue because some of these inactive banks will quite happily get rid of the consumer. They want to run the book down to zero. Um, the problem is those people can't go anywhere. Because we've had, what we've had over the last five years, we've had uh, MCD, we've had MMR, we've had totally different regulation. So where people qualify for a mortgage in 2008, just not going to qualify for it now. And we can't unpick all that regulation. No, I I think the the approach that that lenders could have is certainly to use the discretion that the FCA has given them to to look at individual circumstances. And we had a chat once, didn't we, with, uh, Linda Blackwell, mm. who used to be the FCA, okay. who instigated the mortgage market review. And her thinking was, because we questioned her on it at the time, and she mm-hmm. said, look, they've got the leeway to be able to show more leniency. They're just choosing not to do yes. so. It's the interpretation of the rules. She said right. it's more a case of it's a business-related decision, i.e. they're happy for them to stay on standard variable rate at 4.24 or higher if they're stuck there unless they can move somewhere else. Mm. And I think that's that's the conversation that has to progress. There are lots of lenders out there, though, who have got fantastic policies on clients who are coming to the end of their deals, for example, which I think is really good. Yeah, I think a lot of these prisoners are going to um, get out of prison because you've got lots of innovation from lenders. Um, you've got a lot of lenders now willing to lend beyond age 70, 75. Interest only isn't quite the issue it was. 10 years ago mm. there's a yeah. lot more acceptance and I have to say with that that's where the smaller building societies have driven the yes, market absolutely because the big guys took a step back and then decided right we'll see how the land lies for a bit but it was really the smaller guys who, who really started to lend in that area again I think, well, I think also um, uh, the demographics are changing from the borrower and I think the lender needs to understand as well that actually sometimes the client has no intention of paying this money back especially in London, it's a, it's a, mm. it's a revolving mm. debt facility yeah. that people have for their lifestyle, okay? And ultimately, the idea is to sell and, and, and downsize in the future. But it's not so much of a concern for the consumer today if they borrowed a load of money. They just need to borrow that money to be where they are. Um, and I think, we, 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 again, we need to evolve this as an industry that sometimes going forward, I think in Japan, they have like a generational mortgage. You have a hundred year term. Mm-hmm. You can pass it on to really, yeah, your, your, your children almost. And maybe that's where we'll end up going because people are living longer. Statistically, um, I think from next year, one in four people will be over the age of 65. Mm. You know, this is a growing population mm. and the debt is staying with us. Not in the old days where it was gone by the time you got to 65. Yeah. People at 65 now still carry an awful lot of debt. But that's, mm. that's what you then see in the mortgage market evolve a little bit from yeah. being a case of very much a cliff edge at the end of a term when somebody had interest only. Now it's a case of that there are additional options coming in like the retirement interest only deals. But that's, that's for the active lenders. I mean, Rachel's yeah. point was what do you do about the inactive yeah. lending who are on an SVR of... Five percent, mm. let's say, and there's very. You see, there's a panorama program a couple of weeks I ago did, yeah. about the the NRAM book, yeah. uh, which was very upsetting to watch. I think there's some very innocent people there 
um, who are massively overpaying. Well, the thing is, I always felt that, that was debt. so underreported what actually happened there mm. when it was split between two parts and Virgin Money got the, the banking licence. And I also found, I mean, I had a couple of instances where I had inquiries, this is going back probably to about 2010, from people who had been put into NRAM who really didn't have a mortgage deal which was likely to be put into NRAM. Mm. So they did... They were shoehorned it, it into wasn't it. simply a case of if you had a 125% deal, you, you were in NRAM. It wasn't quite that simple. There were others which ended up in there as well. I think, um, I think legally we, we've got to protect the lender because it's their money at the end of the day. Mm. I do believe there is a moral issue mm. at stake here that some people are being very mercenary mm. and taking advantage of the consumer with, with, with higher interest rates. Um, and, you know, it's, um, the, the consumer can't, can't do anything about that. And that needs to be addressed, I would think. Mm, definitely. Sure. Okay. Stu, you mentioned sort of an accumulation of regulatory changes and, and, and tougher regulation legislation coming in. Do you think we're at a point now where the property and mortgage market sort of needs to be left alone to do its own thing? Or do you think there is space for more legislation and the government to step in a little bit further, not just mortgage prisoners, just in general? Yeah. I mean, I think we've kind of, everybody's got used to the fact now that nothing ever stays the same for any length of time. There's always something that comes in which throws a curveball into the industry. Like a couple of years ago with George Osborne and the buy-to-let changes for taxation, mm. which suddenly, well, overnight created this big bubble of buy-to-let lending in one period of the year before the changes kicked in. So everybody knows that nothing tends to stay the same, but I think there is a... And I think the reason why the housing issue as a wider part of government is always constantly in an ongoing problem is because there never seems to be like a concerted plan of this is what we'll do in the next five or ten years to address the issues we've got. It's always about a case of, here's a new scheme, <laughs> off you go. And it's, it's again, it's just kicking the can down the road short periods of time. Um, the proof of that is the fact that how many housing ministers have we had? None mm. of them have been in the cabinet either. No, so you've got so no voice. on one hand you've got... Um, Declarations within a budget structure, whenever that's issued. You've also got um, political party conferences about how important housing is. And they get platitudes, they get airtime, they spout the same nonsense year in, year out about it being a focus. And if they're not even at the table of the cabinet, what really is the point? point? And the actual housing minister role is a stepping stone, isn't it? But it's one every 12 months, there's no consistency. You can't build a housing policy if you keep changing the person whose decision it is. Mm to make the housing policy. Yeah. Everyone's going to have a different idea. We need some... Someone just needs to get a four or five-year run at this. Mm. And just to be left... Well, almost a case of just saying to them, right, okay, you take this role on. This is your sole... Whatever happens, this is going to be your sole project for the next five years. Yeah. Um, Apart from general elections, changing that that sort of process. But there's got to be some sort of change of thinking, I think, on, on how they approach it because what they're doing now, they're doing making the same mistakes over and over again. Same with right to buy mm. currently as well. Um, at one point, it was always a case of the, when that was relaunched with larger discounts of up to like seventy or £75,000, it was going to be a case of we will reinvest those monies into replacing these council buildings. They didn't do it in the 80s, which was how we got to where we are now. Yeah. And they're doing exactly the same process yet again. And that's what I think they need to do, is just to get some focus and just just on the housing planning side of things, just have that structure in place. Mm. Um, as far as our industry is concerned, it's just constantly a state of flux. Yeah. But we need regulation. 
Yeah. Because without regulation, we'll have another credit crunch. Yeah. Or a bigger absolutely. one or a worse one. Mm. Yeah. Um, nobody wants that. No, sure. definitely not. Okay. And the help to buy scheme was extended um, in, in the budget as well. That seems to be quite a constant structure yeah. that everyone knows is going to be around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Was that a welcome change as far as you're concerned? No, I, I, I quite like help to buy when it first came out, Rachel. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's fit for purpose anymore. Um, I think we've we've artificially inflated a lot of property values because of it, and it seems to definitely have benefited the developers and high earners in some respects. Not the first time buyer or the low earner, which mm. is probably where it was meant to mm. to help them. Mm. Um, so I, you know, it, it's got a few more years to run. I probably I probably would have canned it by now. Mm. If it was me. If I was housing minister, and I should <laughs> which be. Which might be. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> well, I might turn eventually. Yeah, but I think the problem is they're addicted to it. Who? Government. Government and, are addicted and, to schemes like that because from their perspective, they think it, it solves a problem. Um, it's something they can sell to the public for a period of time. It's a vote winner, I would imagine. Yes, yeah, it's, it's less about the, the nuts. I think it's less about the nuts and bolts mm. of what they're physically doing mm. because the development sites, they're about you, but where I am, new build development sites that qualify for help to buy, not one within 15 miles where I live. I think we've probably only done about three or four Really? As a firm, it's not a big part of our business. I think you generally specialise in that area, or the developers will have their own in-house. Yeah, and that's a sep- You know, that's another Can conversation about <laughs> about leading clients and 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 um, deluding clients along the way. But um, uh, uh, no, it, when you start creating artificial housing like that, uh, you're influencing the market, and that's quite dangerous. You know, it needs to have a natural cycle to it. First time buyer, home mover home mover, retiree, downsizing. Mm. You start pumping it with funny money, like we have done, and we create a false economy. I think the trouble is with it is that when you look at new development sites, it's the, the thing I always annoys me greatly, is the percentage of those new built sites that are actually involved within starter homes. Mm. Whatever happens, whenever you see planning applications that go in, there's numerous amendments once they're kind of underway where it basically reduces further and further the what I would call the, the affordable end of that development and then from there you've got limited options um, and that's why it drives the market through so um, I think that's the the way in which really it's got to be got to be yeah. moving forwards okay you've got one last question Rachel I couldn't come on here and not ask you about your favorite topic Vitalette <laughs> oh, I think, I think we talked about biscuits oh you're the, you're the favorite topic the other what do you know about it <laughs> banning it yes I agree with you Rachel we should that's your headline <laughs> Um, well, I think it, it, it's not uncommon knowledge that everyone is sort of predicting uh, a big exodus from the market. It's happening. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, especially all, and next year when, when landlords come to do their tax returns mm-hmm. and see just how much their profits have been squeezed with all, with all the regulatory changes. A lot will be running at a loss. There won't be any profit yeah. at all in London. Um, the figures the figures don't stack up. Um, and, you know, this, the changes that we had from Osborne Street that you mentioned, yeah. long overdue. They should, have, they should have bought them in 2008. That's when they should have been in, bed them in. The problem is they were all condensed into a very short period of time. No one got a chance to um, um, sort of find an exit route or accommodate them. That's, that's what's hurt the lenders more. Um, uh, but, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of, of, of removing as much of the amateur landlord as possible from mm. the market. Nothing wrong with professional landlords. Mm. I've rented. There's a need for a, a good mm. housing market. Whether we need two million Rigsby's running around, um, I'm not too sure. Um, we, we're in danger of breaking the housing market. 
and it would be irreversible if we're not careful. Really? Uh, and I'd, I'd, I'd like to get back to a much more normal cycle. Um, and luckily, you know, the first-time buyers are coming back. And, and there's no coincidence that as the landlords exit, there'll be more first-time buyers moving in. And that's exactly how it should be, Excellent. Great. in my opinion. Brilliant. Well, that was quick. <laughs> Rachel, thank you for that. Thank you. That was your first podcast. I know. I very much enjoyed it. I assume it's your favourite podcast Obviously. Now, I've well. peaked. It's all downhill from yeah, here. Yeah, well. And for us as well, by the way. <laughs> uh, last quick question. Who's your football team? Oh, I haven't got a clue about football. Oh. Does Mike Owen still play? I don't know, does he? <laughs> <laughs> Probably injured. <laughs> Yeah, favourite music. What was your first ever music record? My first cassette was the Spice Girls, and I do not regret it. You've got tickets for the the reunion tour? I haven't. No. You're going to get one. (laughs) I've tried. Shout out for a lender, Rachel (laughs) Addison, FT Advisor. Brilliant, Rachel. Thank you for that. Fantastic. So that's the end of episode 22. Please come back and listen to us more. Share and subscribe on iTunes and also on Podbean. Uh, we'll be back soon. You can email us or you can message us through Twitter at The LM Experience for more guest suggestions or questions. And we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. And please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. And remember, there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party. And your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it.